Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back for another edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. I'm Andy Hart, joined by Chris Shimetime Shime. And it is not just Victory Monday in New England, it's Victory Week. And I think the team deserves to celebrate this week. Coming off the 29 to nothing shutout of the Detroit Lions, I don't care if Jared Goff is a puddle of goo. I don't care if the Lions defense stinks. You shut somebody out like that, dominate somebody like that, especially with your third string quarterback. You deserve a few days to celebrate and feel good. That was a feel good game and the Patriots should feel good about themselves. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this team looked really good on Sunday. They they were efficient on offense. The one turnover wasn't the quarterback's fault. And and then on defense, you looked great. You shut down what was the number one scoring offense in football, and you held them to zero points. You completely shut them out, put a goose egg on the board. Uh, this week is a feel-good week after that game. And I enjoyed the uh, the post-game gathering that the Patriots put on Patriots.com, check and Zappy and all that. And I particularly enjoyed, he really emphasized number one offense, 35 <laughs> points a game, which yep. we all know was statistically true. I don't think going into the game, Bill Belichick respected that offense to that level. Like, I don't think he was yeah. looking at Peyton Manning or the greatest show on turf. But when he said, you know, number one offense and somebody yells, not no more, <laughs> made me laugh out loud in the locker room. Um, obviously, the topic of the week is the quarterback. I want to push that to the side just for a little bit. And this was supposed to be the start of the and we're going to kind of bridge the world here of review the game and sort of look at some bigger picture items here and I do want to know like was this the start of that stretch that some people were predicting this soft stretch of the schedule six games very similar to last season and and the slow start and then who knows what you'll be come December or was this a one-off where you proved one simple thing you're not as bad as some of the bad teams in the National Football League yeah, I definitely think it's the latter. Like, I definitely think you've proved you're not amongst the muck. Um, and you want to hope that it's the start of something that you can build off of. I I, I just get nervous that it's going to be like last year where you're going to go on a four or five game run. The hype's going to go up and then against good teams, you're going to struggle, uh, especially in the second half of the season. And you're just going to kind of fall off. And so that I, I that lingers in the back of my mind. And you hope that that's not the case. But Good job. You took care of the Lions. Now you have to make sure you take care of the Cleveland Browns, who are going to be, I guarantee you, going to be more difficult to take care of this year uh, than they were last year. Yeah, and I think it is important, like incremental steps. I, I always try to put things in relation to expectations or sort of relative to your lot in life. And, you know, I always use comparisons like if a, if one of your kids that always gets straight A's gets a B, you say, whoa, 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 what happened this week? Yep. If one of your kids that always gets C's gets a B, you're excited. Like, so like it's relative to your expectations, your past performance, where you hope to be. And the question I guess I would ask, if I wanted to be optimistic, why am I to believe that this won't simply be they're better than crappy teams? Maybe they go on a little run here and win. Let's just say four out of the next, you know, five or something to get themselves back into the conversation but why am I to believe it's not going to end the way it ended last year? As you said, because you got the Bills twice late in the year. You got the Bengals. Why am I to believe you're not going to fail to measure up? Yeah, and that's that's hard, right? Like you're grappling. I'm grappling with that. You're grappling with that. I think a lot of fans are. Um, I don't know that this team has showed that they're going to be able to compete with the Buffalo Bills uh, who have been in an absolute machine. That team that you beat in the, the Steelers, well, they absolutely pummeled them. 
like 38 to three straight up body bagged them. And, and so this is, that's a, that's a team that you have to face now twice in the second half. You're going to have to face the Bengals who are getting better as the season goes on. You're going to have to face the Vikings who right now are four and one. And as long as it's not a primetime game, Kirk cousins looks really good. And so it's like, it's hard to expect that this team, even if they do go on a run here in the middle, will be able to maintain that in the second half. Okay, so I'm going to throw out, um, as we get into the second segment, I want to talk about some some younger players that maybe could be the answer to that question, how their evolution, their growth could affect your late season potential. But I want to start with veteran players. And I think the most obvious guy to start with is the guy whose season coincided with his team's season a year ago. His name's Matthew Judon. And he fell apart, faded down the stretch, whatever you want to call it. They fell apart, faded down the stretch, couldn't make the Bills punt to the point where I think in one of those Bills games, he was like on the sideline, like a beaten man while the Bills were still moving the ball. So he's off to a great start. I thought he, you could argue he was the MVP of the win over Detroit. He was shot out of a cannon. Now, some of it again was Detroit being dumbasses and saying, TJ Hawkinson, just pass, just block that guy who right now for the here and now, Matt Judon's one of the best pass rushers in football, one of the more dominant Absolutely. defensive forces. So he's got a sack in each of the first five games, Patriots record. He's got six sacks in five games, tied for the NFL lead. Strip sack leads to a touchdown, was the play of the game. It's awesome. And I actually think he's playing at a significantly higher level this year than last year because I don't know about you, I felt last year a lot of Judon was, yeah, he'd get his sack that week. Yep. But there weren't a lot of other pressures, QB hits. Correct. I, this year, the, the first half in the Ravens game, he chased Lamar all over that field. And he was a key part of that game plan. This game, I think he broke Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff's a puddle of goo, and, and Judon pressured him enough early, but pressures and hits. So, Matthew Judon, great start. We've seen this before. Ken Matthew Judon, who's talked about it, targeted sort of a consistent year finishing strong if he just plays the way he is playing last year this year early consistently is that a way for the Patriots to be a much better team come December yeah I think that's a start right I, I mean last year you saw he got COVID and then immediately fell off and you can attribute it to COVID fog you can attribute it to conditioning you can attribute it to a lot of things but I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that like last year he got his sack and that was in the box score but this year He's making his presence felt throughout the game. It's not just a box score thing anymore. It's like he is that the cornerstone of that defense. I think partially it's helping that there's a little bit of a pass rush on the other side, right? I think Dietrich Wise has been great to start the season, mm -hmm. uh, especially in those first few games. He was having a major impact, and I think that's allowing for Judon to make even more of an impact because it's like, ah, we can't just only worry about pass rush from this one side. Like they're going to be able to pass rush from both sides and we have to take that into account. So I think a, that's going to help him a lot uh, as the season goes on. He's probably going to face a few less double teams than he normally would, um, which is a positive, but ultimately it's going to come down to his conditioning. Is he ready to make the run for the second half? I believe that he is. I think this guy is awesome. I love Matt Judon. I said before the season, this is the guy you kind of want to rally around. This is the guy you want as that leader in the clubhouse. You know, you look back at the old days, your Ty Laws, your Willie McGinnis, guys like that who commanded the locker room. Matt Judon needs to be that guy and can be that guy because not only is he an amazing player, but he's also a, like a, an outspoken, well-spoken member of the team. So two things there. First of all, I think he's even more important than some of those guys because I don't think he has as much around him. He has Correct. to be definitely one of those tent pole guys. And I agree with you. I think he continues to, you know, he always talks to the media. Not that that's the be all end all, but like I think no. he is a leader, a spokesman, an energy guy, a little he's bit a of a face of the team, a swag. Yeah. And I still think his celebration is underappreciated. I really enjoy his sack celebration. So I don't necessarily know what it is. I know it's like a wipe, but like, is he just like wiping his face? Like, is I, he supposed to be like a, like a wolf that just tasted blood and he's wiping it off kind of thing? I don't know that he's ever been. He, I'm sure he's been asked. My interpretation has always been that like he's wiping his mouth after eating, after feeding, after like he did his job. He feasted on a quarterback and I'm wiping my mouth. Because it's really um, odd you bring this up. I thought about it when I saw him do it this weekend. And the first thing I thought was, wow, it looks like he's wiping away a bunch of boogers. Like that well, was the first thought I had. I mean, that's a little gross. And I, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more no, blood or that. food or, or feasting or something. Yeah. Um, 
of that nature. So yes, I like that. I also have a quick little side story. Ooh, um, okay. And uh, as Homer Andy Simpson, nugget? I like stories, not really a nugget, just a side story. Um, I had a friend at the game this weekend and the friend watched Matthew Judon doing throwing the ball around pregame. And you know how he does sometimes the crowd, various people, whatever. Uh, he apparently overthrew somebody and some random dude grabbed the ball and then ran into a porta potty. <laughs> and Matthew Judon ran to the porta potty and was slamming on the door, going, Give it back, come out, smashing on the porta potty. So, uh, one of the more ran- and I actually have a photo of Matthew Judon. Um, maybe I can hold it up for the camera to see, uh, standing at the porta potty. That's uh, unbelievable. Trying to get his football back that somebody uh, ran off with. So, uh, nope, that's not it. Um, Careful what you show us, Andy. Here it is. So I have a photo right here of Matthew Judon, and I think you can standing see at the porta potty. At the porta potty, waiting for the guy who stole the football to come back out of the porta potty. And I actually don't know how the story ended, but uh, it just made me laugh because I like Matthew Judon. He was the uh, media. Uh, good guy of the year last year in his first first year here. And, yep. and he had that one incident, remember, with the reporter in, in Baltimore that I had questions about what kind of guy he was. I don't have questions anymore. He seems like a really yeah. good dude. Um, so I think Matthew, Matthew Judon is 100% key. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I think something that's different this year in terms of the evolution of a returning veteran, uh, um, a really accountable player, I think Jacoby Myers is taking some steps forward. And it's funny. I've been in this this feud with Christian Fourier about Jacoby Myers. I love Jacoby Myers from day one, literally day one in August of his rookie season. I said, that guy's going to have a better NFL career than your first round pick, Nikhil Harry. That guy is better. And he's proven that he's taken advantage of every opportunity. But I also thought he had a ceiling. I thought he was like soup. You know, soup can only be so good. It can't really be your meal. You need to add other things to it, that kind of thing. This week, he returns from missing two weeks. He returns to a quarterback who he's never lined up with. <laughs> he catches seven of eight balls for 111 yards, averages 15 yards a carry, not his usual, like, ten, I mean, a catch, no. not 10 yards a catch, has a 24-yard touchdown, and we know for him, getting into the end zone hasn't come easily necessary Correct. in his career. Um, and the thing that actually, more than the stats, I don't know if you noticed this. I believe it was his first catch of the game. It was an out on the right side. He caught it. And a guy dove at his ankles to try to tackle him. And I think normally the guy tackles him. The guy missed the tackle. Jacoby turned upfield. And as he did, he looked back and shook his head at the, the would-be tackler. <laughs> I think he's starting to feel himself a little bit as a, not just a, oh, I get open and catch the football and I'll, I'll just do my job and I won't make plays. But, you know, you'll kind of like. He's starting to me. become a wide receiver. Yeah. He's and, not just oh, another player. Which is great for the offense because really I do good. think they still need a guy. Yeah, or, or maybe not one. Maybe they'll never have one, but a couple that they can like spin the dial and like feel really good that that guy's going to show up. And oh, by the way, he's going to make himself some money as he heads into yep. free agency as a playmaker. But do, do you see any uh, more ceiling or upside to Jacoby Myers than maybe we've seen in the past. Yeah. I think there's still a lot more room to grow. I mean, not, I mean, you may not remember this, but not last year, the year before, uh, at the end of this Cam Newton season, I actually wrote a piece for WEI.com that argued that Jacoby Myers was the 25th best receiver in football, <laughs> because that's what he was according to PFF. And so I used a lot of the underlying numbers that they had to kind of try and explain exactly what Jacoby Myers brings to the NFL. And, and that might've been a little hyperbolous, at the time and last year I didn't I I didn't really believe myself anymore but this year I'm starting to believe that like he has the ceiling to get there right like he's showing you that it's like I, I can be more than just a guy who catches the ball and falls down I can add a little yak to my game I can I can get more added to my game Belichick raved this week about Stevenson and how he has worked so hard at things he wasn't good at last year. Yep. And I think you're also seeing that with Jacoby Myers, right? He's he's clearly worked at things that he wasn't necessarily good at uh, in his earlier years in his career. And he, you're now starting to see some of the fruits of that labor. Okay. So you just mentioned him. I, I agree with you. I think Myers is, is evolving and we'll see where it can go. You just mentioned another guy I wanted to talk about, Ramondre Stevenson, who have to now. Looks like he's going to get his opportunity. Damian Harris goes in down with the hamstring. You only have two backs, so he's 
got to be the guy to run the ball. You want to run the ball. He runs the ball incredibly well. He's so uh, good. 25 carries, a buck 60 on the ground, catches a couple balls. We've talked about in the past how he's evolved as a pass catcher and a third down option. And, you know, I've added a comparison to my Le'Veon Bell because I still think Le'Veon Bell's there. But also this year, I'm adding a little uh, poor man Saquon Barkley to his look because oh, I think geez. I think the build is similar. I think there is some footwork, jump cuts that are similar, and the ability to make some plays. I said poor yep. man's, by the way. I, I, I mean, we'll see where. I it goes. mean, let's be fair. Uh, my comp to him when he got drafted, when you and I were back when this was still the off day podcast, you and I broke down his running back class. I outright compared the guy to Aaron Jones. So, like, I too, and that's probably a good one. This guy. Yeah, that's probably a good one too. Yeah, but. You're going to have to ride him. The one concern I have is that's a that's a step up. You know, it's one thing to know you're every other series. You can tap out when you you get a little tired and Damian Harris can come in because Damian Harris is good. Yep. Stevenson is better, but Damian Harris is good. But there's a difference between being a two headed monster. And now I'm going to need to lean on you for I think the reports are now the hamstring could cost Damian Harris a couple weeks. But. He's coming off a 25-carry game. So if you go to another, let's say, 25-touch game, you know, 20 carries, couple catches, whatever it may be, um, how does his body react to that? How does he feel uh, with that? And I, now I will say the offensive line is also playing very well. And yep. the more he gets the help from those big guys up front and Trent Brown being engaged, and from my perspective, hopefully Marcus Cannon at some point taking over the right tackle spot because – please if, God. If, if you're going to pick one weakness on the offensive line, it's Isaiah Wynn and the penalties and the sacks and mm -hmm. the things that he's done negative. But Ramondre Stevenson, I looked it up today, is 18th in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. Now, obviously, yeah. that took a big bump this week with 160 yards rushing. I think he can be more than that. I do oh, think absolutely. he can be a... I don't know. You're not going to get 160 yards rushing every week because if so, then he'd be like... It's unrealistic. Ridiculous. Yeah, but... I don't think it's unrealistic for him to to just be up near 100 yards and then... 100 you know, scrimmage yards. If he's getting 65 to 70 rush yards and that 30-ish receiving yards on checkdowns, yep. like that's what you want. That's what you would hope to expect from him if he's playing on all three downs. And I think he's capable of it. I think he's showing you that he's capable of it. This guy is unbelievably talented. He works his ass off. I, Belichick glows about this guy and if Belichick is glowing about a player currently on his team you know how good that guy is and I what actually stood out to me and I think this may have been with you guys on the Greg Hill show when he brought up uh Ramondre Stevenson's mistakes when he what? said that pass protection against the Dolphins and the yep. fumble. that was off my question that I asked him I don't believe he does that unless he is a hundred percent sure that he's talking about a guy that is that is well beyond that. Like, that's yeah. such a thing in the past. You know the idea, like, we're going to laugh at this someday. They've reached the point where they can laugh at those mistakes because Stevenson has advanced so far in basically, what, 13 months? So, you know, a little over a calendar games, year. Check said. He's, like, he's like, this guy has grown so much in 20 games. And he is just, he is growing at such a rapid rate that as Patriots fans, you haven't had a running back quite like this in a very, very long time. I'm going to say. What, since Corey Dillon? I think he's a better pass catcher than Dillon. So I'm going to say sure. you haven't had maybe, maybe Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin. Yeah. I think that might be how far back you go because I do think wow. his pass catching ability. Now, you, you're going to need that because you don't yeah. really have a third down back. You don't really have a backup running back right now. Uh, nope. I have no desire to see um, Pierre Strong or I mean nope. Kevin Harris. There, there's just you're kind of flying. You may actually have to add a veteran running back. That wouldn't stun me if they brought somebody in right now, because I don't know how you can feel overly confident about those two rookies. And uh, I mean, Ty Montgomery, I didn't even look when's he eligible to come off of uh, IR that like, I don't think, I think until week six, I believe. I think you're, you're, so and I don't week, know his health status, obviously right now. Um, I think you're really thin at the at the running back position as excited as i am and i'm also intrigued to see when harris comes back um how do you handle it like is is ramondre now the number one back the starter well, i think the harris next four games or the next few games without harris will de help determine that right like i think yes. that's going to be a major influence on it is how how well does stevenson take on that load and belichick said literally quoted as saying 
we have as much confidence in him as you can possibly have in a player, right. which is and very high praise and exactly what you want to hear, but it's just a matter of actually seeing it. And even though you were super high on him, I have also been super high on him. It's a matter of actually doing it at this point. And staying healthy is yes. part of it. Is well, yeah, exactly. That's a at huge the running back position. You're going to take a pounding. Um, I was watching Josh Jacobs with, for the Raiders on Monday He's night. He's been awesome. He's been awesome, but like, you can actually see the years of his career coming off his body as he takes well, he, hits or so chooses to hit people. So that's the thing Stevenson has in his favor, though, right? Is Josh Jacobs has had 250 carries four straight right. seasons. Like, this guy is constantly getting a ton of carries. Stevenson doesn't have that much tread on like that much use on his tires, right? Like he is, he's still relatively fresh in terms of that. And I think part of that is the way they've managed it. They want it to be that way. I think they've always wanted a two back because I think they look at these teams like the giants or the Panthers and like their star goes down and all of a sudden you're scrambling and you don't know how Mm -hmm. to. And I would also say he Stevenson makes people miss a lot. Josh Jacobs loves contact. He likes to run people over, but I'm sorry that that takes a toll on your body too. Those are hits that you don't really want to be taking for the longevity of your career. Yeah, and the uh, the underlying numbers would suggest, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson since last year has been in the top seven or top five of forced missed tackles uh, per carry, like across the league. Like this guy is an elite, mm-hmm. elite tackle breaker and tackle avoider in a lot of situations. Like you saw it happen multiple times where he's, he's so patient with the ball. He can take that stutter step and juke left, juke right, and kind of avoid some of those would-be tacklers to avoid some of those bigger contact. I'm going to tell you how big this win over the Lions was. That just led to the most positive segment in the history of the Six Rings podcast. And yep. Fitzy wasn't even here to take part in it, Mr. Fanboy from Foxborough himself. Turn that it up. was positivity built on a beatdown shutout win over a bad Lions team that actually broke Dan Campbell, and he may end his coaching career. He may be he crying. He was a puddle of goo at the post-game podium. But we are not a puddle of goo. We're moving forward with the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Please download the Odyssey app. It's the easiest way to listen to our podcast, but you can obviously subscribe at any of your other podcast outlets. And if you want to interact with Shime and his newfound positivity, because just wait, next segment, it may take a turn for the worse. You can hit us up on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. That's the number. Or email us at six, uh, uh, SixRingsPod at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we had a lot of positivity there, and now we're going to get into the uh, quarterback controversy, debate, discussion. We'll see where this goes. We are coming off Bailey Zappi's first career NFL start, where he completed 81% of his passes through a touchdown to Jacoby Myers, 129 to nothing. And I think most of the adjectives that were used were cool, calm, collected, confident, um, however you wanted to paint it in a positive light, Bailey Zappi answered the call. Yep. That's led some people to use that controversy word that there is. Ne- I, I think it's ridiculous because you can't possibly know what Bailey Zappi is right now. And I get back to what we talked about in our first segment, relative expectations. The expectations are different on your third string, fourth round division two, blah, blah, blah quarterback. Because he is in the spot that Mac Jones was in more than a year ago. And so I I don't use the word controversy. I like what I saw. But the offense, oh, and oh, by the way, they played the Lions, the worst defense in maybe the history of football. As oh, oh, and beyond that, that defense lost like six defensive backs over the course of the game, including one that was taken off in an ambulance with his parents having to ride shotgun for the whole damn thing. So I'm, I, the one thing I'm going to, let me spin it positive real quick. The one thing that I'll take about this positive is a Mac Jones might feel a little uncomfortable. And I think that's always good. I think Bill Belichick loves competition. And oh, loves he's definitely players. uncomfortable. And the other thing is 
Can we put away the stupid videos of Mac Jones on the practice field limping around, looking terrible, and saying, you know, he might practice. I mean, he might play this week. He's making a push and say, Mac, we have a quarterback that right now can is do the job. capable of leading us. We need you healthy. You are our future. You're our franchise, whatever. We want you to compete on a level playing field. Not, I think, you know, we talked about it last week. Those videos and people are like, yeah, he might play. I thought Belichick should have been fired if he had played Mac Jones last week. And oh, I, I'm 100% with you. I think he, I, Mac Jones should not see the field. Like, it's a high ankle sprain. This is not some, like, little injury. This is a serious injury that needs to be taken care of. Um, and I look, I, as much as I want maybe a con- quarterback controversy, I don't think we're quite there yet. But look at you. Look at you but, being mature, big boy. But... When Belichick was given the opportunity to immediately shoot it down on the Greg Hill show on Monday morning, not once did he say Max, our guy. And that I, I shouldn't, but, but I mean, at any other time when he was asked, when Cam Newton was here, Cam's our quarterback. When there was the Tom Brady, when Jimmy G had played one and a half games and people were losing their minds that they had the next coming of Tom Brady, he said, Jesus Christ, Tom Brady's our quarterback. Like, in all those other situations, Belichick has said, this person's our guy. Yeah. And in this situation, when said that, was there any chance that Mac jo- that you could see a healthy Mac Jones not being the starting quarterback, he said, I'm not going to make up hypothetical situations. Right. Mac wasn't active, Bailey played. And he didn't say... Mac is our guy. So I'm just saying for the people that are saying that there's a controversy, I understand why there is that seed of doubt as much as I may want to feed into that seed of doubt, because I I just, I don't think Mac's very good. That's uh, it. We're not quite there yet. I, I do believe that Belichick not saying anything matters, but we're still just not quite there yet. See, if I were a uh, uh, a comic uh, or cartoonist, I would envision yep. Chris Scheim standing over a seed that says quarterback controversy with like miracle grow and water and one of oh, those yeah. lights to make it grow. And In a greenhouse. Starting to like, sprout. Yeah. And yes. Um, so I don't think Bill would ever at this point in this situation say that because as we talked about, like he wants Mac to be uncomfortable and feel like he needs to compete. I will rewind to two weeks ago. When Michael Lombardi, friend of Bill Belichick, said, quote, Mac was going to lose his job. He could be out of the National Football League if he keeps turning the ball over like that. Do I think the two are directly connected? No, No. but But. I never ignore Lombardi because he spent so much time with Bill. And anytime Bill's Bill's had chances to say, oh, that's just Mike doing a podcast. And he's like, nope, Mike's one of the smartest men I've ever worked with in the National Football League, blah, blah, blah. So. You already had a, a friend of Bill bringing up the idea that Mac could be on thin ice or whatever, and now his replacement has gone back out, has gone out there and succeeded. The one direct thing, because I think Mac is probably uncomfortable, and I think he should be. The one thing I wonder on both sides: Does Mac now say, "Shoot, I should have got that surgery a couple weeks ago"? Yes, he does. To get out there quicker, and then the flip side of that is. Does it alter Bill Belichick's uh, timeline or perspective on Mac's health? Like, does Mac, because I saw Mike Reese say something like uh, Mac is 50 to 60% in his rehab. Did Bill have, let's just throw an arbitrary number out there. Did Bill have 70%? When he's 70%, that's when we're going to maybe give him a shot to get back out there. Does Bill now go, Let's make him let's let's let him get to 80 percent. Let's let's it does it alter. And I know not the medical side, because Bill will yeah. say, well, you know, once the doctors clear him, blah, 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 then He's it becomes talking a timeline. Yeah. And for me, the answer is absolutely 100 percent. Yes, I would not yeah. put oh, Mac yeah. in any risk at all. And I'm not scrambling. I've had especially a guy that, if, especially if Zappi's not going to turn the football over. Correct. The one interception he had was entirely not Nelson his. Aguilar's fault. He hits Aguilar in the hands, and Aguilar just tosses it to the other team. So, like, if Bailey Zappi continues, if he goes out against the Browns and has another performance where it's like 200 yards and a touchdown and no interceptions, no fumbles, like Belichick's going to be completely fine with that. That's what he wants out of his quarterback right now because he wants to run the football and he wants to play defense. That's how he wants to approach these games. So 
the the next uh, obvious discussion is because I I don't really think there's anybody that is legitimately um, embracing or arguing that there's a quarterback controversy right now. I think everybody's like, hmm, maybe a couple weeks. Like even Christian Fourier, he said something like, yeah, if, if Bailey Zappi wins – you know, six games, then we'll oh, talk. Stop. And I was like, he may not even get six games. Right. And, and why is six different than five? Like, where is this arbitrary line you draw of what if oh, he just wins three in a row and they're decisive victories and he doesn't turn the ball over and you yep. go, wow, the offense looks better. And it wasn't just the lions. They did the it. Again seems happier and better and more just electric. Okay. Well, on one thing there, I, I don't know if the, I'm allowed to say this or not, or if I'm like a dink, but I think this world revolves around we all make decisions as to whether we like other people that we have to deal yep. with. Bailey Zappi is more likable than Mac Jones. Oh, it's just I, we, we had this conversation on the morning show. Okay. Literally, even Greg, who is defending Mac to the ends of the earth, said, I understand if this is a, uh, a, a decision be based on people liking Zappi more. He's just outright more likable. He okay. has that aw shucks mentality. You see him shoving Joe Judge on the sideline in that Green Bay game, laughing, being like at a boys with him and Patricia, and just like, and even the linemen and the, everybody loves Zappi. Like it's, it's. I, I understand that. I think partly part of this con quarterback controversy is that it's like everybody loves Zappi, and Mac can be kind of a dink or a tennis yeah. brat, as Volan put it. Yeah. Like, I, I very much believe that that's part of the controversy, but I also believe that in an NFL locker room, those guys are also feeling that a little bit. Yes, but then I'll get back to, I think all they care about is the throws. Winning. <laughs> like winning, like, and yeah. he's he's 1-0 and could have been 2-0, right? Like, they could have won that game in Green Bay. Yes, they could and have. So... Okay, so we can take that to the next level. The next question in this would be, maybe, could be controversy of quarterbacks and offense is, huh, offense looks really good with Zappy out there. How come they didn't do this when Mac was out there and run the ball and go play action and do all the – and I was like, okay, some of that is legitimate, but some of it is not, and, and I'll say it for two reasons. First of all, I think Mac would have kicked the Lions' ass too because I think the yeah. Lions suck. Oh, yeah. I think they, they stink. Belich, Bel the whether it was Bill or whether it was Steven and Gerard, that defense was not going to allow Jared Goff to do anything in that game. Well, that's because they don't respect Jared Goff. I don't know if you yeah. noticed, Bill never mentioned Jared Goff pregame on the Wednesday. He, he only waited till postgame and said, "Oh yeah, they got a good quarterback." Because he doesn't respect him. He oh. knows he can turn him into a puddle of goo. He's done yeah. it in a okay. Super Bowl. He's done it on his field. He knows yep. it can happen. Jared Goff has like a career passer rating of like 50 against Bill Belichick. And, and that's probably a little high because um, he stinks. Like, I'm sorry. I have no. And I can't believe I picked the effing Lions. I'm so mad at myself that I picked Jared Goff to come to Foxborough. And I don't <laughs> care who it is. If he had played you, I would never pick Jared Goff again until the day I die. Um, but the the other thing is, and this is my theme, apparently, for this edition of the Six Rings <laughs> podcast is relative expectations. Bailey Zappi, all he has to do is what he did on Sunday. Win. Find a way. Let the defense dominate. Let the running game dominate. Don't F it up. Don't throw turnovers. All of that. Year two, Mac Jones, I think it's quite clear they were trying to take the offense to another level, to a playmaking passing level, throwing the ball down the field. They were trying to build an offense, in my opinion, that could chase the Buffalo Bills, that could chase the Miami Dolphins that could do what they think they need to do to keep up. And a byproduct of that early on was interceptions plays down the field. But this wasn't, this wasn't just a, this year thing though, I think is what, where, where I'm drawing my issues is that Mac Jones has been bad over the last eight games, not yep. just, not just in the three games he played dating back to the bye week last season. The only teams he's beaten are the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, who were the might quite possibly the worst team in NFL history. Thanks to urban Meyer. And this year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, if you haven't noticed now might be one of the bottom four teams in all of football. Yes. Uh, alongside the lions. I feel so, like Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season record. That's going to be, be jeopardy. Over. Yeah. That's dose. He's done. Um, but like those are his only wins, and he's looked bad in a lot of those games since the bye week. And he's only thrown he's thrown ten touchdowns to twelve interceptions. Like I understand that yes, they were trying to more so test the limits of Mac Jones's uh, downfield ability 
uh, in the first couple games. I, I understand that. I recognize that. But at the same time, it wasn't. This hasn't been a problem just for three games. Like this is a problem dating back to the second half of last season. And I, I think that that also matters. I think Mac Jones isn't quite the decision maker that people make him out to be or believe that he is and needs to approach and they need to approach it more like what they did in that five game or what is a six game winning streak last season uh, where they're beating up on a banged up Titans team. They're beating the Panthers and the chargers and the jets and the Texans and all that stuff. Uh, you need to approach it like that where it's okay. We run the football, we play defense, we don't turn it over. And they need they need to do that because Mac Jones is not built to go toe to toe with Josh Allen. It's just not going to happen. Well, I actually agree with virtually all of that. The neither is Bailey Zappi. Like that's no, the I, like, but I'm not, I'm not saying Bailey Zappi is. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying in this comparison where some people are ready sure. to kick Mac to the curb for Bailey Zappi. I think like we even had a post game um, caller bring up the idea of like a rotation or would you? No, and that's I'm like dumb. That's stupid. Plus, you don't why? Do that in the NFL. Like, they're the same guy. They're yeah, undersized, they're the weak-armed pocket passers. Like, well, I think I think Zappy has. It's weird. So it's like I think Mac is a little bit better in smaller spaces, right? Like when it's when it's within five to ten yards of the line of scrimmage, Mac seems quicker. But when it comes to attacking the ball, at least a little bit farther downfield, and I'm not talking like the deep zone, like the 25, 30 plus. I'm talking in that ten to twenty range. Mm-hmm. Zappy has a little more zap or zip on the ball. Like it's more, he, he can get more of a line drive in there than Mac Jones can. I'm not like sold Mac, on that. When Mac Jones has to, when Mac Jones tries to oomph a pass in, he looks like that Eli Manning meme of just, he has to put everything he has into it. And mm. I, I don't necessarily see that with Zappy. I never have seen that with Zappy, but like, again, they're minute differences. As you said, they're basically the same guy. And, and maybe neither thing. is good enough. That's no, like, I don't think I comes to this. Even if there is a controversy, one of the outcomes, I have this belief. I have this belief that if you ever wonder who your quarterback is, have a quarterback, have it means it's inherently bad for your team. You don't yes. have one. Like, there's I, never I, a controversy if you have a good you. quarterback. It's not controversial in any way. Everybody knows. It's my theory about like, youth sports and you get these kids that try to tell everybody how good they are. And I always tell all my kids in all my sports, anybody can watch the game, baseball, flag, football, basketball for about a half hour and go, Oh, that's the best kid on the court right there. Like you don't need to tell people when it isn't, that means you're all probably Jags and not very good. Like, like the cream rises to the crop. So if you, if the Patriots have a quarterback controversy at any point here, it's bad news. And you know why? Because you remember the last time they had basically a quarterback controversy? I don't really – I know Bledsoe Brady was one, but it was like the the early 90s when it was like the backup quarterback was more popular because the starting quarterback sucked. You didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. You were losing games. We have been above this for 20 years because – We've never felt this. People don't Tom understand. Brady. Like there's no question who your quarterback but, is. But this, is, this was also one of my biggest reasons for hating on the pick of selecting Mac Jones is because I'm like – you can find this guy elsewhere. You can find this guy in the third and fourth round. And so, like, that was, I think, for me, one of my biggest – it's it's almost the same exact thing with the Cole Strange pick. It's like, great, Cole Strange is a good guard. He's a really good guard. But, like, taking him in the first round, is that's not what you do. You're supposed to swing for the fence in the first round of the NFL draft. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to try and take a guy that's – awesome athletically has all the traits you could possibly want and might just need a little fine tuning. You take the guys who are safe later. And that was always one of my biggest issues. So let's have a fun uh, wrap up to this uh, quarterback controversy. We didn't even, by the way, make any puns yet with Zappy. We didn't say Zappy nope. hours. We're really Zappy adult about this. I got to say, yeah. um, I'm, I'm surprised and, and kind of impressed. Quite honestly, this is very, uh, very atypical for you and I, I would say, I would say so quick, Two two predictions. Okay. How many games does Bailey Zappi start for the Patriots this year? He has okay. one under his belt. Yep. They have played five games. There's 12 more left. How many games does Bailey Zappi start this year? Uh, Bailey Zappi starts one, two, three, four. Jiminy. Five Christ. games. I'll take the under. Um, I, I I'm going to say his last start. I'm going to say his last start is uh, November 6th against the Colts. 
So all of those games will be in sequence. He won't yep. leave, come back. There'll be no, nope. it'll be a span. Okay. I, I will take the under on that. I think he's only going to start two games, quite honestly. I think he's going to start in Cleveland, and then I think there's a chance in Chicago we end up with Mac Jones. Then we're at home. I'm not Chicago, so sure. Way, not in Chicago, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's actually interesting. Um, then I don't know what happens after that because if if Mac Jones is back then, I don't rule out that he could re-injure or like – I'm not sure he's going to be 100% physically healthy, but I do think he's going to push to get back out there because – there is a uh, there is a threat to his confidence, his livelihood, his job in Bailey Zappi. Now, my other question: mm-hmm. Who starts more games for the New England Patriots in their career? I'm going to go with Mac Jones. Okay, I, um, I just want to test you there a little bit, see how far me, on the. I want to say Bailey Zappi because I, the other thought that has crossed my mind, and I've I, I've kind of dabbled with this a little bit on the Greg Hill show, but I haven't quite dove in fully. Uh, is one of the things we know about Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick is he loves to get value off draft picks, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that he drafted Bailey Zappi in the first place because he loves to take those third, fourth, fifth round quarterbacks and then turn them around for second, third, fourth round picks later. He'll um, face one on Sunday in Cleveland. Bingo. So with that in mind, it almost feels like to me that there is the small, very small chance that at the end of the season, Belichick looks at it and he goes, I basically have the same guy. One was a first round pick and the other's a fourth round pick. And he tries to deal Mac Jones and the Raiders just so happen to have an out from Derek Carr at the end of the year. And Josh McDaniels happens to really like Mac Jones. I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen, but am I saying what would I be surprised if it did? No. Can I throw another one out there? Please. 49ers. They supposedly thought about taking Mac Jones number three overall. Yep. They need a quarterback for the long term, potentially, because the Trey Lance thing just really not going down a road that looks productive. Tough. Tough. Uh, I think that's another opportunity maybe you could have to trade Mac Jones. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're just throwing things out there. Six rings and football things. It's what we do. We take all questions. We give all answers. We look at all angles of the topic. And I thought we had, as you just said, a very adult, professional discussion of a... Productive discussion, Andy. Do you call it the seeds of a quarterback controversy? They're not growing yet. They're not the... uh, the the, yes, exactly. The seeds. I would yeah. say the seeds because they're in the ground and they're getting watered, but they haven't quite sprouted anything yet. And, and they not, may not. If you if you buy a bag of grass seed, it tells you the germination rate. Not all mm-hmm. seeds actually grow into grass. Exactly. We're not sure if this this QB controversy will ever germinate. If that's Andy, the word. Andy Hart, the turfologist. Damn rights. Although you wouldn't know by looking at my lawn. It's uh, not all that impressive. But this has been another impressive segment of Six Rings and Football Things where we have broken down the budding quarterback controversy as the Patriots still bask in the glory of the beatdown 29-0 of the Detroit Lions. Follow us on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. Email us sixringspod at gmail.com. And as always, subscribe, rate, and download the Odyssey app to get us each and every episode. Now we turn the page to the best segment in the Six Rings podcast timeline, and that is Pat's Pori, where we try to bounce around to as many topics as we can in about 10, 15, 20 minutes and try to hit on all these topics this week. The two and three Patriots are feeling good, but we all know that only lasts as long as your latest victory. And there are some uh, lightning rod issues, I would say, out there. And I'm going to start with a big name. Let's hear it. So the report today was don't rule the Patriots out basically for Odell Beckham Jr. As he returns from a torn ACL, returns to health. We know there have been flirtations between the Patriots and OBJ every year, it seems like, for like the last five years. Some of that was Brady. Some of it was post-Brady, whatever. Uh, So ESPN is, I personally think, is just like trying to chum the waters, get clicks, get attention. But OBJ to the Patriots, does it make any sense for the Patriots or OBJ? I mean, it would make sense for the Patriots. They need elite receivers. Like they, well, they need talented have six. guys. Like they're already stuck with yeah, some. But of none of them are elite. Have. It's like Jacoby Myers is and then a elite? bunch of nah. Is he elite after his second ACL coming off? He might just use You're you right. for a couple months. He, he might not be, but if he's gonna use a team, he's not gonna use the New England Patriots. He's Makes gonna no use sense. a team that's gonna make a playoff run. And yep. like, or like he'd go back to LA cause it's, you know, LA. Easy. Right. Exactly. He knows it is easy. It's like, hell, How, he, 
didn't he carry their freaking Super Bowl trophy out on their little presentation or whatever? Yeah, like, how has nobody put two and two together? He's going to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. That, like, that would, makes my, my all top the sense list in the would world. Be LA and KC. Those would be the two like most likely. Like right now, outside of Travis Kelsey, Mahomes doesn't have a favorite receiver. Miko Hardman limped off the field last night, so who knows how healthy he is. And then you're telling me it's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been fine, and MVS, who again, has been what MVS is. So like... Why wouldn't Odell go play with Patrick Effing Mahomes over coming to New England? I, I mean, that, that makes way more sense to me. I think you could probably list, I haven't like done the actual list, 10 teams at least that make more sense than the Patriots. Uh, I Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you absolutely could make that list. I, I'm not going to do it right now because it would take too long, but you could absolutely make a list of teams that make way more sense than okay. Patriots. So we both think of yes. that the same way. Okay, yep. speaking of the Monday night football game this week and Patrick Mahomes and his four touchdowns to Travis Kelsey, who I think only accumulated, what, 46 yards on those four touchdowns? It was a very interesting... No, 25. Oh, He had seven was... catches for 25 yards, I believe. That's amazing. It's amazing, that performance, but um, they got the dub and you could argue that the most disappointing team to open the season are the Las Vegas Raiders with Josh McDaniels. And there's already talk that they want to get rid of him. The fan base has turned on him. Um, what do you make of Josh McDaniels first month plus in Vegas? Yeah, people in New England are like, yeah, see, we told you McDaniels sucks. Like, I don't. I don't think this is all on McDaniels. They've lost their four games by a combined total of 14 points. Okay, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I would do. also ask the question. Yep. Isn't it a bad look when you are – I don't care that he went for two. They were running the ball down their throat. Mike I actually, seems to think it was the correct decision, by the way. Well, I, I kind of like it. Josh Jacobs was eating their lunch. Like yeah, they were awesome. So – go for two, go for the win, the whole thing. Oh, you go for the win on the road. That's the old school thing. Like, yep. whatever. My bigger concern is, so they get the ball back. They have the game on the line and they call a pass play that somehow involves Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams colliding down the field and taking each other out of the play. Yeah, my biggest issue was third and one and fourth and one. I mean, third and one was a pass to Devonte Adams and Devonte just couldn't stay in bounds. But like, I, I'm third and one. I would have just run it with Josh Jacobs. The guy had like sure. 160 yards. Give him the ball, get the first down, and give yourself a chance. All for that and agree. My bigger question is like, Josh McDaniel's a genius, right? He was brought there to, to take that offense to the next level. I think level. people are making too much the of this. The season's on the line, and their two best receivers are tackling each other down the field. There, I, I also think that they were also rerouted a little bit by the defensive backs. Like, if you watch it, there's a lot of contact there. I'm not saying it's a penalty. I'm just saying contact. Uh, and I think that the defensive backs did a good job of rerouting the guys and disrupting the timing. So okay, normally, so. in a timing situation, when it's clean, those guys won't collide. But when the defensive backs are initiating contact and disrupting timing, which is their job, yep. it, it sometimes it, things like that happen. Like I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's on McDaniel's. Like that's sometimes those things just happen, and it's not, it's not the. At the end of the day, as Bubelichick said, the players go out and play. No, I know. I just, I'm a little down on my. I, I had really I think high McDaniel's expectations. Getting way too much heat. Like I, well, think, I had really high expectations. Like I thought Hunter Renfro was going to catch 150 passes. He, yeah, he has not oh, looked good on. in that offense. Like he was never going to catch that many passes. Not with Devonte Adams around. Devonte Adams is going to eat. Like that's. Well, he hasn't really eaten over the first month. Like that's the I expected. 127 massive, yards yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. But through the first three games, he was sort of a shell of himself. And I know he's a new guy in a new place and all like that. Sixteen thing. receptions but, in week one. I don't think so. Because he had 17, I believe, through three games. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm 16 might have been an exaggeration, but he had like 12. He had in week one, let's see here. Uh, well, he had nine against the Broncos. Let's see. Pull up. Devontae Adams. Week one against the Chargers. 17 targets, 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Okay, what was the next week? Uh, then he had two catches for 12 yards on seven yep. targets, which won't happen again. 10 targets again, five catches for 36 and a touchdown. By both, by the way, that game before and the two catches also had a touchdown. Well, uh, he, then, he got into the end zone. I'm not going to dispute but then, that. I, but then the Denver game, again, 13 targets, nine catches. This game, seven targets, three catches, a buck 24. Like, I, and a couple big pass interference calls. Yeah, they are. And they are. So they're targeting him at, at a ridiculous rate. Are they completing a lot of the passes? No, but I think that's more on Derek Carr than it is 
Josh McDaniels. Like, Josh McDaniels is dialing up plays for Devontae Adams. Derek Carr right now is has a passer completion rate the lowest in his NFL career at 61%. This is a guy who averages like 68-plus, and he's, he's completing passes at 61%. I, see, I think some of that's the offense, and I think some of that's Josh, and I'm a little surprised by that. Also, some of it is, like, I watched early last night, and Mac Collins takes one off. I don't even know what the hell his number is, but it hit literally number right between 10 the two or something. numbers. Yeah, Mac Collins off. is not that good. I don't know why he's on the field. Because he had that's one game where he, he had that one game a couple weeks ago where he put up numbers, and everybody's like, oh, Mac Collins is, is – he, he reminds yeah. me of he was in that game Bolden. that Devontae had two catches. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Brandon Bolden. Where like, is he a good athlete? Yes, he's a special teamer. Yes, it's like, funny you bring up Brandon Bolden at the beginning of the season. Everybody's like, "Well, Brandon Bolden's going to get just as many like touches and targets as Josh Jacobs." No, like at the first couple of weeks, Brandon Bolden touched the ball a few times. The last three or four, Josh Jacobs has had a million touches, as he like, should. It, yeah, exactly. I agree, but like that's the thing. Like that's what I'm saying. Like McDaniel's isn't shying away from. Re trying to incorporate his best players as much as he physically can. And I think one and four. I under I understand that. I think a lot of that is on the defense. I think they need uh, to Chandler figure something. Jones out. looked okay last night, but the fact that he didn't have a sack in the first five four games um, is not good. No, especially opposite Max Crosby. It's not yeah, like he's alone. Who's dominant, by the way? Yeah, he's dude awesome. can play. Yeah, he's but. Talk about biggest, Matt Dudon dominating. Max Crosby dominates. The biggest issue, though, is they have less linebackers than you have, and right. then their secondary again. Oh, they don't. They don't have anybody in the secondary either. They, they have. I don't even know. Do they have like Rocky Asin or something? I, like, I, so again, I I don't believe that this is all on Josh McDaniels. I don't think he's going to get canned anytime he's soon. Not. He's, he's going to last the entire season. He's going to get to start next season. I also think you're going to see some positive regression for this Raiders team and more so positive regression for Derek Carr. That 61% number is not going to stand. That's going to go up. He's going to get better. Dev by by association, Devante Renfro Waller will be better. And Josh Jacobs is going to continue to be awesome as long as he's healthy. Okay. I want to throw another name out there. Fired Matt Rule by the oh, Carolina he's Panthers. A boob. Any chance Bill Belichick, who has spoken highly of Rule, oh god, no, and please. you know did joint practices, blah blah blah. He like loves him because he was successful at Temple. And if you look, Rule has a Belichickian background in which he's coached almost everything along the way, including the offensive line, where the Patriots have a weird makeup because their offensive line coach is their play caller who could be spread too thin. Any yeah. chance that Belichick does the Greg Bielema and does the consultant whatever with matt rule for a little while i don't think so and i think it's more so not because belichick doesn't want to but because rule's going to get offered an opportunity at the college level that he's going to rather take so I, I agree with that i actually think because i saw immediately he gets fired you get those emails with like the odds for where he's going to be and yep. it's like nebraska colorado like all these these exactly. call, big college programs but i just wonder the timing of how all that works when he would um, get that job, what job he wants, just all of that. And do I think it's likely that he's going to end up as Bill Belichick's consultant? No. no. Is there a chance? Sure. But I agree with you. I don't think it's likely. Plus, I think Bill loves to tweak the NFL by doing that kind of crap. And, yeah. oh, you know, he's our new consultant. We actually pay him 17500 So because the Panthers continue to pay million him. from the Panthers. Yes. Um, okay, next. <laughs> You mentioned it earlier. We don't need to discuss the play because he stinks. Nelson Aguilar cost oh. Bailey Zappi an interception. It's not the first time he's had a critical turnover. Uh, like Aguilar. Yeah, he doesn't make any plays. He left that game with a hamstring injury that I'm not yeah. even sure exists. My prediction for him is he's inactive this week with a hamstring, oh, I hope hamstring so. injury. Um, because I think Bill uses the hamstring injury so that you can't say he was a healthy scratch. And they yeah, as a way to put him in the doghouse without getting blamed. Right. So I, that that's my early prediction on Aguilar. But people have been talking up this idea that that Bourne is going to be the odd man out because Bourne talked a bit like talked back wow. to Bill. Um, Did you hear anybody, Bill talk about Bourne on the morning show? Yeah, he said he brought that up. He said, "quote I love KB." And why did he do that? Uh, because he does. He wants to dispel this notion that he's in the doghouse, even though he may still be in the doghouse. So I think there's a couple ways you can look at that. One is, I mean, the obvious one, I guess you can take a man at his word. He loves KB. Yep. The other one is he's been in the doghouse. KB has said a lot of the right things for the last month plus about, I just need to show the coaches what I need to do. And I need to get my blah, 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 blah. And 
he hasn't really seen the benefits. Like he hasn't had a breakout game on the field, like 150 yards, two touchdowns. And that's Bill patting him on the back. Like, don't, you know, it's coming. Like we appreciate the work kind of thing. The third option is if he wants to trade him, he talks him up a little bit and you know, he's not in the doghouse. Like, no, I love him. He's, he's a, he works harder than anybody. And one of our best playmakers and blah, 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 blah. So that's my third option is Bill would consider trading him and is talking him up on the trade market a little bit there. So I think there's a chance that in my head, this was the opportunity. I heard that quote on Monday and my first thought was, oh, if Aguilar is out and inactive against the Browns, it's a perfect time for Bourne. He had a good game against the Browns last year. It's the perfect time for him to come out and have his best game of the year. And this is that chance. And it may also be because Belichick is trying to wheel and deal him because he's trying to make room for Tyquan Thornton and keep him on the roster and and get him targets as well at some point this season. So I do think think that that's a possibility. But I also I think more so than anything, it's to get Kendrick Bourne to have a good game against the Browns. Whether that's to be traded or just to help the team, I don't know yet. But I think it's I'm hoping and believing that Kendrick Bourne will get a much larger share of targets and snaps uh, come Sunday. You bring up Tyquan Thornton and the Patriots first opportunity. They could activate him. They activate him. They get him on the field Mm -hmm. against the lions. And I know Fitzy's not here, but Fitzy big time down on, on Thornton. He has taken shots about, you know, he's made out of glass. He's brittle. Clearly the Patriots don't feel that way. The guy's coming off a broken collarbone in the second they could get him back on the field. They got him back on the field. So um, those fears that Fitzy has, Mr. Positive Fanboy, those those negative thoughts that he's having about their second-round pick, clearly the team do not have those. And finally, as we wrap up, Pat's Paris will make it NFL Paris to some Ooh, okay, degree. like that. Um, pass, uh, uh, pass rushers, hits on the quarterback, unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer. It's the topic du jour this week because Tom Brady – was taken to the ground by Grady Jarrett and earned Chris the flag. Jones hit last night was just brutal. And Chris Jones, you know, they call it, they take away what is a fumble. A, one of the more, actually, one of the more remarkable physical plays you'll ever see where he did the strip sack. It never left the He grabbed I've it. I've never seen a player get called for roughing the passer when the player making the sack has the football. Yep. So I am going to probably surprise you because I am a football oh, heart. No. Oh no! Don't um, do this. Now, I I've just come to accept that quarterbacks are different. Like I can fight back oh, and push yeah. against it. I've actually come to accept that, as Troy Vincent said, we're going to come to a point where the quarterback either wears a flag or a sensor, so like in fencing. Like just the reality is, those guys are the stars. They want them on the field. They, as much as we can, you know, have fun with a Bailey Zappy third string rookie story, they don't want those guys on the field. They want the superstar quarterbacks and defensive linemen, coaches, everybody just needs to accept it. Now, there's also the added layer of the whole Tua thing that I do think is affecting this. Um, The overreaction. Yeah, overreaction to what went on with Tua and going the other way. But it's just, it's the reality. It's frustrating. I hate it. Like, I hate it. Oh, God, Andy, I can't stand it. But sometimes you just need to hate something and accept it. So I have accepted a lot of things. I've accepted that roughing the passer is simple enough when a defender's hand accidentally hits the helmet of a quarterback. I get that. Anytime you target the head of a quarterback, whether it's intentional or not, flag. I've oh, accepted like that. Like, uh, um, was it Adrian Phillips on yes. uh, Jared Goff? He yep. barely tapped him, but his helmet hit his chin. You're yep. going to get that every time. Every time. And I have accepted that, and I don't I don't question or challenge that whatsoever. But when the quarterback has not released the football and is in the process of getting sacked and no uh, 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 hit has been made to the helmet of the quarterback – uh, that's where I'm drawing the line. I can't. I can't stand it. I won't accept that. That is ridiculous. If you have the football, essentially, you are a ball carrier. If you don't want the guys to get to get sacked, or if you want to be able to draw the flag, throw the football away. I don't care. But if you still have the football, you're allowed to be hit. That is kind of the name of the sport. And so for me. I will not accept it. I refuse to accept it. I will continue to be mad about it. You can accept it all you want. 
I won't. I'm still going to yell at Roger Goodell and Jerome Boger and all these boobs who are throwing flags on sacks. It's not a pass. It's not rough in the passer. It's a sack. Chris Jones even tried to brace himself. Not only did he strip the ball and take the ball before completing the sack, he then sacked the guy and attempted to brace himself not to put his full body weight on the quarterback. If you're asking the defensive lineman to do literally anything else, you're literally asking for them to pick him up and rock him like a baby. And I'm not, I'm not here for it. I'm done. I'm not doing it. Like if you want to, I, I would have even been okay with give him the strip sack, throw the flag, tack it on to Kansas city's possession of the ball after the fact, because it happened after he got possession of the football, but instead that, you're throwing a rough in the passer flag. I don't get it. I, it makes no sense to me. And I refuse to accept it. I will not. I won't allow see, it. The problem is you're fixating on the visual of that play. And yes, that play you know, for example, I actually think because they ask the guys to try to roll off or not land yep. on him fully. Well, he was getting the ball like he couldn't focus on he rolling had off the football. He was acquiring the football. And so that play is but it's a bigger picture topic than that play. Like, I'm actually more frustrated on the Brady one because I just like if you wrap a guy up, like, what am I supposed to do? Let go? Like, and I know yeah. Tom Brady's not going to roll out if, of it. If that's Josh Allen, he's going to roll out of it and make a play. Absolutely. So what am I supposed and to do? Not tackle Josh Allen? Little little thing that was lost on that one. Brady tried to kick Grady Jarrett after he threw him to the turf. Go back and watch yeah. the replay. Little sulky McSulk Sulk Dink, who's done this many times over the years. So he slides and tries to kick the defender and then asks for a flag. Um, so Brady was... I think Brady was actually more in the wrong on that play than Grady Jarrett was, and yet Jarrett gets the the penalty on him. I hate. Oh God, I can't stand it. It makes it makes me physically ill to but to see those. The the funny thing is, it's universal. Like I've not heard anybody. I've heard offensive linemen, defensive linemen, coaches. Well, so um, I think Chris Jones had a really good. To his credit. Didn't overreact post game, right? He was right. very level headed when he talked about it. Granted, his team won, so that probably helped. If they Easy lost, year. he might have been different, but. He outright said, he's like, look, all we need to do is just make it reviewable. Make everything reviewable, as Bill Belichick has said on multiple occasions. Yep. Just make everything reviewable because I think in real time, the refs might not have seen that. But you go up and review that, and that it might have been a whole different thing. Yeah, it might have been like uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the strip, but we would have gotten the strip, and I'm fine with that. Like, hell, that's fine. And like, if you're going to throw flags on these things – aren't you almost in a way incentivizing defensive players to be more aggressive because knowing I'm going to get a flag, I might as well get a good lick in then. Well, that's my theory, but I don't think like, right. But like, that. uh, that's, I think, I, I think there's a lot of players that probably think like that. Like, well, if I'm going to get a flag for hitting the quarterback, I may, I'm, I might as well make it worth it. And you're going to see guys start to get picked up and pile driven into the ground. It, like, like that Jimmy Garoppolo hit that might separate a shoulder or two. And that's going to be worse than what you're doing right now. It's sad. It is sad, but the game is changing, and we talked about it weeks ago. I'm all worked up now. I, I, I was, I've never been a more alarmed by a comment from an executive of a league than when Troy Vincent was asked about how he envisions the future of football, and he says flag football. Like uh, That so alarmed me, because it's one thing for somebody outside the game to say that, but for an ex-player who is now a – Get him v- out. Fire v- him. I don't v- want like, him here anymore. I agree. I agree, but guess what? Ratings are up. We're all still watching. We bitch and moan about it. You Except- go to Twitter and – you, you say ratings are up, but just, just for reference, the Patriots happen to be the one of the seven markets in the NFL that aren't up. Well, I mean, because we're coming off knowing what great football looks like, you know, and we're not it, great football. anymore. This is probably a bad comparison, but you know how everybody says no one watches the MLS because they want to watch good soccer. They watch the Premier League yep. like we watched the Premier League of football for 20 years and now we're watching MLS version. Right. So they like, go and watch Red Zone or they go and watch Josh Allen. Yes, you want to see greatness. It, sorry, it's not Bailey Zappi to Jacoby Myers. It isn't. And, and, and like, I don't mean to be I'm personal like, and offensive, but that's Brady to Gronk, greatness. Two goats playing in your yard. Yep. Zappi to Myers, yeah, two likable guys. Devontae Parker. Right, like two likable guys, but it's not greatness. I used to watch greatness. So um, yeah. that's an interesting ending to what was a generally positive Six Rings podcast. Good job that, by us. Pat's Paris segment where we bounced around to a lot of topics. Unfortunately, the last one is one that is a uh, a painful one because the game is a changing. Chris won't accept it. I 
being the open-minded guy that I am and not stubborn in any way, have accepted it sure and my that. inability to change it. Uh, he's Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. This is the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. We will be back later in the week for a game preview. Patriots at Browns. The last two quarterbacks to start as rookie mid-round picks for the Patriots and win their debuts in shutout fashion will go head-to-head in Cleveland on Sunday. Jacoby Brissett, well, I guess I'm presuming that, but Bailey Zappi, Jacoby Brissett, that's my expectation. Yeah, but same. we'll preview the game late in the week. We'll have a chat with one of the beat members of the Patriots press corps. We'll have a chat with somebody from Cleveland to preview the Brown side of things as they work through uh, life without Deshaun Watson for a little while longer. Download Six Rings and Football Things each and every week, three times a week. We are there for you. Download the Odyssey app, subscribe, rate us, tell a friend. We're trying to grow the community, so send us emails, sixringspod at gmail.com. Interact with us on Twitter, and you can now watch this and all episodes, I believe, on YouTube. So you get to see that I have my bright running sweatshirt on so I don't get hit by cars. And Shine, being the company man that he is, has his W-E-E-I trucker cap. So watch us, listen to us, love us, hate us. Fitzy will be back later in the week. Another six rings and football things in the books. See ya. See ya.